Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. So, the recriminations continue. The blame game is afoot and apparently it is everyone's fault. We aren't doing enough tests. We didn't prepare properly for the spread of the virus. We took too much time to shut down the economy. We don't have enough ventilators. Our doctors are being put at risk by the government because there aren't enough protective pieces of equipment for them. And not enough people are being compensated for losing work or indeed their entire jobs. Is anyone else thoroughly sick and tired of listening to this constant whining and complaining about what's not been being done. This terminal refrain of negativity from people who know less than nothing about dealing with a pandemic and politically motivated anti-Boris campaigners, I know I am, and I'm not going to entertain them anymore. We are, ladies and gentlemen, in the middle of the biggest health crisis of our lifetimes. Testing or not testing is a far more complicated conundrum than the likes of Robert Peston from ITV would have you believe. He was torn off a strip on his show last night by Deputy Chief Medical Officer Jonathan Van Tam, who explained that it was entirely wrong to imagine that the antibody test is the holy grail which will solve everything why on earth can people not accept that the government is doing its level best to solve this ghastly problem and if they make a few mistakes along the way because scientific advice has not always been forensically delivered then so be it this isn't like working out the result of a football match please just exercise a little caution lots of perspicacity because this is way too important to be scoring points and trying to make out that you know better than everybody else as i said yesterday those briefings that we're seeing now every single afternoon by the government have become a laughing stop. The same three people asking the same three first questions, Robert Peston, Laura Kunzberg, Beth Rigby, all asking questions about what should have been done and what might have been done and what may have been done instead of getting proper information that the public can actually do something with. 0344 499 1000. Coming up, we'll be talking to Tory MP Bob Stewart as the Ministry of Defence calls up 3,000 reservists. And we'll hear from Sophia Miles, who lost her father to coronavirus this week. Most of all, of course, we want to hear from you. And many of you say you want to talk about other things. So if that's the case, by all means, feel free to do so. But we need to hear your stories, good or bad, your experiences and what you're seeing and hearing out there because you are the eyes and ears of the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. 0344 499-1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. It is, of course, Talk Radio. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. 
Now, I find myself actually getting quite worked up this morning with all the nonsense that's being spoken by people who really don't know what they're talking about. Let's talk to Colonel Bob Stewart, who is a man eminently sensible, uh, who we always turn to in these dark times when we need to get a voice of common sense. Colonel Bob, very good morning to you. <laughs> Hello. How are good you? Morning. Can you hear me? Is that the coronavirus alarm going off in the background? I don't know what's going on. Um, um, I'll, I'll, let you, I'll let you put that away. Um, it's how, not me. Oh, OK. Well, it sounds like it's you. How are you getting on and how are you coping with it all? Well, I'm, I'm getting stir-crazy stuck in the house, but, my goodness, I'm actually doing more emails than I've ever done in my life. Yes. Um, so, in a, in a way, I feel, actually, I'm working... Harder yeah. than being in Westminster. Absolutely interesting, isn't it? I mean, I'm finding I'm talking a lot more to my children than I ever used to do because they're not in the same house as me. And so I'm FaceTiming with them all the time, really? constantly. Yeah. And it's actually really quite good for our relationships, funnily enough. Well, funny enough, I'm, I'm finding uh, much the same with the two I've got left at home. They, I do actually talk to them more. Yes, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Now, let's talk about common sense because there's very little of it going on at the moment. I'm sick to death, and I said this yesterday, of watching these ridiculous briefings that are being held every single afternoon where somebody from the government comes out, doesn't really say very much, takes a bunch of questions which aren't really very helpful, doesn't really give proper answers. It's all a bit of a waste of time, isn't it? Um, it is at the moment. It seems a waste of time. What I'd like them to do tonight please, if anyone's listening, yeah. I'd like the plan for actually testing to be outlined. Yes. And that plan says what we're trying to do, in other words, do the NHS and all the key workers and get them tested. Yeah. Why we're doing it, because we want to identify the population, uh, you know, who's got it, who hasn't, because until we know that really, who's not going to spread it, etc. Yeah. Then I'd like to know what the situation is at the moment, how many uh, test kits we've got, and why we haven't got test kits. And then the key part of it is what we're going to do about it, how we're going to get more test kits, how we're going to get people tested so that we can actually really get to grips with the subject. And I think the plan, that could be put out in one of these daily briefs as a, as a statement and, and almost not much longer than that. And then detail can be followed in, yeah. on, in writing. But all that will happen then, of course, is the same uh, sort of uh, suspects will turn up and ask the same questions as to why this wasn't done earlier, why couldn't it have been done in January or February. I mean, you know, we had Philip Lee on yesterday saying, why didn't we spend half a billion quid three years ago on a load of ventilators? And I said, well, quite simply, Philip Hammond would not have given you the money to do that because you didn't yeah. need them then. It's all very well criticising. The fact of the matter is, as far as I'm concerned, the government's done pretty well yeah. up to now. What they, they, they are actually not answering the, the exam question is, you know, how many tests have we done? How many test kits have we, have we got? And where are we going to get them? Yes. Let's actually have that done. Because apart from that, they've done pretty well. I know we're Germany are miles ahead of us. They always are. It's a bit like football. Um, but the, the fact of the matter is, we are the United Kingdom, we've got to sort this out. Yes. We will. But Germany, but you know, people talk about Germany all the time, right? Germany's actual number of cases is quite high. Their mm. number of deaths is quite low. But that could change. You know, we don't know yet whether they're getting it right. And yes, they are testing more people, but we don't yet know whether that's going to work. I was watching um, last night the Deputy Chief Medical Officer, Jonathan Van Tam, explaining yeah. very clearly that actually this antibody test is not necessarily the answer. Because again, all it tells you is that you haven't had the disease up until something like 28 days before they test you. Yeah, I mean, it, it, we, live, we are actually feeling our way through yeah. a cloud at the moment. Now, the, the, the fact of the matter is, we're trying to do our best. Now, 
although these ministers are standing up, I, if I was doing it, I would say, look, I don't know the answer to that. Mm. Or, you know, I, I'm afraid uh, I made a mistake on the, on the uh, Internet the other day when I s- sent out a post and it was erroneous. So the, the best thing, I, if I was a real politician, I wouldn't apologize. I'd make some excuse. What I went straight back is said, I've made a mistake. Mm. I'm sorry. I've done it. That kills it. Why don't people realize that when you make a mistake or when you get things wrong, apologize? We are British. We understand that. Yes, we exactly right. Now, you know, you and I were in Bosnia. I'm not going to say together because that's insulting because mm-hmm. you were there doing a lot better of a job than I was doing. But, <laughs> you know, the, the logistical squad that I travelled up to Vitez yeah. with, right, these are guys who know how to deal with all sorts of um, problems in, in foreign mm. countries, in war zones and all of that. Some people have already suggested to me that maybe there's something, the role, a role that the army could take on. I know that some reservists have just been called up. Mm. But, I mean, there's a lot of common sense in the armed forces. Yep, that's right. Well, locally, they're bringing stuff to, to Bromley, uh, to my own constituency. Yeah. They're bringing in uh, protective equipment. They've obviously got a real shift on building this, this hospital in the Excel Centre. Uh, 3,000 reservists. These are guys that uh, a lot of them will actually be sitting, like I am, stuck in their house. They'll be delighted yeah. to be called up to do something, you know, to get away from the four walls they're looking at. Yes. I mean, these are people that have some medical experience, some logistic experience, some engineering experience, but fundamentally they're they're organised. You take a squad of men in with a corporal, and he says, get on with it, boys. Yes. Oh, you, you're slacking, get on with it. Exactly, yeah, and they've been, mean, very, he, they've been very good down at the new uh, Nightingale Hospital, and that's where a load of new volunteers are going to turn up today, which is a fantastic sort of uh, exposition of what we are very good at here in this country, and that's helping each other. Well, I have to say, I mean, locally in Bromley, we've got 3,600 people who volunteer to help the vulnerable. Yes. That's amazing. It is. I mean, that's spread across the country. I'm not saying... Uh, Beckenham and Bromley are, are any more than anywhere else. Quite across the country, people are trying to help their neighbours. I tell you what, Mike, I've got one thought. You know, we've had all this bitterness over Brexit. Yeah. Maybe the country's one advantage of this, no, dare I say it, inverted commas, one thing that will be good that comes out of this is that we might come together as a country yes. once more. Well, I'd like to see that because I'm afraid to say, Bob, that there are some elements of the media in this country and of the political class as well who are content to keep poking the, the bear, if you like, and trying to make political points and score points on all manner of different things, which are frank, frankly unhelpful and quite perversely untrue. Well, that's, that, that is quite possible. That is the nature of the beast in a democracy. Unfortunately, we sometimes have to put up with it. The trouble is, I hope sensible, normal people look at the situation and say, well, that's not right. I don't agree with that. No. Um, I don't agree with that at all. I mean, I'm just amazed. I was talking to the police yesterday. The police around here say they don't expect to have to issue out penalty notices to anyone here because the vast majority of people now are actually obeying the instructions to yes. stay in, inside. Um, you know, a week last Sunday, we had all those idiots out as though it was mm. a sort of a bank holiday yes. in June. But that's another thing, and I know you've got to rush off, so I'm going to let you go, Bob, but that's another thing that we could do with a bit more guidance on, and that is from the government precisely what their view of the police's activities are and whether they should be allowed to approach people because they're having a walk in a public park or a walk in the, in the, in the, in the Yorkshire Moors. I mean, surely that's OK, isn't it? Yes, but I think the police have got every right to approach them. But what I got from my local police chief superintendent yesterday, he said that all my officers have been uh, instructed 
to be sensible and decent about, you know, ask people what they're doing. They say what they're doing and go on. If they're doing something that is a bit naughty, look, could you please go home? Yes. Now, you know, that's the way the police are going to deal with this matter. I have great confidence in the vast majority of all of the police, actually. Um, they're they're going to do it. And they don't want to uh, say, look, you're fine 60 quid because you shouldn't be here. They won't do that unless actually people really irritate the hell out of them. Yes, no, I absolutely agree. Colonel Bob Stewart, great to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. We'll see you soon. Hopefully, uh, as soon as we're all allowed out again, uh, to go and have some lunch or a drink even. That would be wonderful, wouldn't it? 0344 499 1000. Let's go straight to the calls because we've got loads of you already that want to get on. Elaine is in Derbyshire. Hello, Elaine. Hi, um, Elaine. How are you doing? Yeah, I wanted to talk about the PPE. So yes. I'm a carer, and um, initially my company were a little bit slow, but at the weekend I got a personal delivery from my boss okay. of PPE equipment. Oh, good. And I, yeah, I've got gloves, I've got aprons, I've got masks, I've even got um, lots of new uniforms so I can change every day instead of having to wash it. Um, they've even sent us an email saying, if you need more... Just email us, but please don't like sort of hoard, you know, hoard yes. the people equipment. Right. But what, what I wanted to say is, I think the media has been really irresponsible, and they're trying to fight Brexit by coronavirus. Yeah, I agree with that. But what they're doing is they're scaring a lot of care workers into thinking they need hazmat suit type situations. Yes. And you don't. It depends on where you're working and what you're doing. A GP doesn't need the same type of PPE as a person ICU mm. with someone with coronavirus. No. As I'm a care worker, I don't need the same type. And they want some sort of, you know, the, the film Outbreak. They want people they want people wearing that sort of PPE. And not everybody needs that. You know, they need to understand. And one of the other things I wanted to say about, you were talking about the briefing yes. every day. I, I said to my husband, because he's a nurse, I'm really getting upset with these people. Because Robert Preston, he made a really bad error. He's yeah. not retracted it they're asking the same questions every day because they want that gotcha moment yeah. these people are scientists and they used to be wrong and the other thing is i would like questions asked like well what's happening in gibraltar because gibraltar's right next to spain it's one of our protectorates yes. and i'm really worried about them what's happening in the falklands mm. what's happening in the little islands of sky and all these little islands? what are we going to do how are we going to bring those people into the mainland if there's an outbreak what are we going to do if suddenly the Isle of Wight has an outbreak? Because there's a tiny hospital there. They're not asking any pertinent questions. No, they're really you know, not. They're, and it's the just, same people. They go to the same yeah. three people yeah. every single day. It's completely it's, pointless to me. It's like I said to my husband. They might as well write uh, um, just... Because they already know what they're going to ask. Like, PPE testing. Now... Uh, testing is important, but even if you tested everyone in the country, it's still not going to prevent people from getting ill no. and, and dying. And the other thing I wanted to say is I even saw a Labour, a Labour MP asking, well, where's Boris? He seems to just been He's poorly. Yeah, right. My, my husband's currently got coronavirus, right? Okay. I've never seen him so poorly, so I can only imagine how Boris Johnson feels. My husband, he looks like a ghost. He's he said he's never been so sick in his life. It's like a freight train to hit him. Yeah. He looks like a shell of a man. Right. And Boris Johnson's running the country, you know, and I think he's not doing such a bad job. Well, he's not, but the point is nobody knows. I mean, you know, the idea that we should have been prepared for this is nonsensical. You know, Boris is still, uh, as you say, self-isolating. Matt Hancock has come out of self-isolation yeah, yeah. today. My understanding is he will give the briefing today. But I really think they need to get to grips with who's asking the questions. 
And can I just ask, say one more thing? Sure. I actually even thought, I think this is disgusting, journalists on the BBC saying, well, China's managed to get their numbers down. Right. They were welding people in their houses. They had snatch squads snatching people off the street. Also, you're not going to tell then, me, Elaine, that they, the Chinese have only had 3,000 deaths oh, when, oh. when countries in Europe, which are tiny, oh. have had more. That's just not we, true. We, we've, seen, we've seen that they've ordered for, for, 40,000 urns. Why have they ordered 40,000 urns? Right. You know, and, and, and the BBC are going after, you know, like touting China and all these sort of countries as if, as if they're like got the panacea. They're doing it by abusing people's human rights. One of the doctors that blew the whistle, one of the lady doctors, she, people still don't know where she is. Her whereabouts is unknown. You know, it's ridiculous. You know, as if China's like managed to just get this under control. Uh, and parrot in who? Parrot in China's narrative? I think it's a great one. There's only one government to blame in this, and that's the Chinese government. And and, and when and when Donald Trump tried to ban, you know, all Chinese folk, he was called a racist. Yeah. Instead of going after the British government, who were doing their best with little information. They should be going after the people who are responsible for this. And that's China. Do you know they were buying up PPE equipment for months before they, even, before they revealed this? Yes. They were going around the world buying up PPE. Yeah, I didn't know that. But, I mean, listen, nothing would surprise me, Elaine. Great call. Thank you very much indeed. All the best to your husband. I hope he recovers from uh, the coronavirus uh, illness that he's currently suffering from. Elaine in Derbyshire there kicking us off with the way that an awful lot of people are feeling at the moment. Very frustrated, very upset, very annoyed. Not with the government, but with the people who are pressing the government on the same questions day in, day out. The same people saying the same thing and getting it wrong, quite frankly. We don't get it wrong here at the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We want to hear from you. We want to hear the real voice of this country, uh, not the elites in the media. This is Talk Radio. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio with you, of course, until one o'clock, at which point Ian Collins will be taking over uh, alongside Kevin O'Sullivan, both uh, outside of the studios today and doing it from home, as many people are having to work from home, of course. We heard earlier on this hour from Julia, whose mother uh, was taken into hospital with coronavirus and had a terrible time but appears to be on the mend. We're going to talk now to Sophia Miles, uh, the Transformers star, who sadly did not have that experience when her father was admitted to hospital. Sophia, uh, very good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. Oh, good morning, Mike. How are you doing? Yeah, OK. Um, it's a very sad story that you've, you've got to tell because not only is this virus so horrible and ghastly and, 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 you know, deadly, but that it means that because of its infectiousness, you can't really even hold the people that you're losing. Indeed, yes, indeed. I was one of the fortunate people, actually, that was allowed into the room with my dad, but I was only allowed five minutes. Yeah. I know I know now that um, those rules have changed since all of this has become, you know, terrifyingly serious. Yeah. Not that it wasn't then, but, yeah, I had to wear a visor and full protective clothing, including um, latex uh, gloves, which meant that there was no opportunity for flesh-to-flesh -flesh contact to be able to kiss him or simply to hold his hand and really feel his hand. Yeah. And how did he uh, get the virus, as far as you know, and when did he get it? Well, I'm not entirely sure when he got it, but my dad had underlying health problems. He had Parkinson's, and uh -huh. he was in a nursing home, and he was rushed into hospital. Um, and we were told that he had, you know, contracted the virus, and within two days, he was dead. Wow. And they tested him, presumably, when he got to the hospital? 
Indeed, everyone was tested as soon as they were, you know, all the people I think that were rushed, rushed in very quickly were yeah. tested immediately and it took about 48 hours to get the results. Right. And it seems to be a very um, strange disease in as much as it affects some people very differently. You know, like we've seen Prince Charles, who's not young, um, getting a mild version of it and, and sort of seemingly recovering. Matt Hancock, I think, is going to come out of isolation today. Boris Johnson is still in isolation, but doesn't seem to be too ill with it. Mm -hmm. Well, my dad uh, was very ill with it. He yeah. had a ventilator on his mouth. And from what I heard from the doctor, they said that when it gets extremely bad, the way that it kills you is in your respiratory system. So you just end up gasping for breath. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's it, really. Yeah, I mean, he, he seems to have got it very badly, very quickly as well, because from what I understand from the people I've spoken to, it's a sort of um, almost a clogging up of the airwaves. There's a sort of, um, uh, there's, there's, there's a kind of a phlegm that just gets harder and harder and harder oh. and basically blocks the airwaves. Oh, Lord, I wasn't aware of that. Goodness gracious. Yeah, I think that's what happens. And so... Once it does happen, that's why the ventilator is so important, I suppose. But, you know, um, it must have been awful for you, really. It was, indeed. But like I said, I was one of the lucky ones that was actually allowed into the hospital. I know that, you know, my heart goes out to all the people that are now currently not allowed to visit their loved ones for the last time. Yeah. And what about yourself? I mean, did you get tested or, or did they offer you a test of any kind? They didn't, in fact, but I went straight in that what the medical advice was at that time was to, I don't think they had enough tests at that time, but right. what they did was advise me to go into self-isolation, which I did. I lived up in the attic in our house and my partner came and passed me food under the door, right. practically. But what was awful about that was I couldn't be comforted by my partner or give my son a hug because yeah. you have to, you know, stick to the rules. And it's very worrying for your children, I guess, right? Um, indeed, indeed. Although my son is five, um, from what I've heard, statistically, um, kids that age aren't as, as much as at risk. But I just especially tried to adhere to, you know, major social distancing from yes. elderly people. Although I heard the other day from Piers Morgan that various young, young teenagers are now um, dying, which is just, it's just awful. I think, I feel like this is the worst thing that's happened to our world since yeah. The Second World War. Oh, I think it is, and and I, I think you're right to say that younger children should probably be less at risk, generally speaking. But I think they worry not so much about themselves, but more about you. I mean, you know, like if uh, I was talking to somebody the other day um, who said that you know their child was was kind of worried that, that they were going to die and that the child would be left alone. You know? And and that's, you know that's. Also Sorry. Well, you just never know. If you have it, you might even not have any symptoms, but yes. yet you can still pass it on to someone else. But right. that's tragic to hear that. It really is. And so what about funeral arrangements? Because we've also heard that those can be complicated at this time. That's been incredibly complicated for us. I mean, luckily, we were kind of first in the queue, as it were, because, you know, at, at that time, the, the death rate wasn't so high. But we know that we only have a 10-minute service as opposed to, you know, half an hour. Yeah. And so only four people are allowed. So we had to decide who was who was going. And my stepmother, it's so sad, my dad's wife, and she, I haven't been able to see her to give her a hug. And at the day of the funeral, we will all have to stand metres apart. Yes. That's awful, isn't it? Well, thank you so much for talking about it, Sophia, and, and uh, let's hope everybody else in your family is, is OK. And, um, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the big screen again. Are you working on anything at the moment? 
Um, well, I've just finished a movie, although while I say that, it was shut down and we'd shot about 70%. It's a dark comedy called Decrypted, which okay. is all about two, yeah, two agents that come to London to try and track down the man that invented Bitcoin. Okay. Well, that sounds intriguing. Mm, but yeah, you don't know when you'll be able to finish it, I suppose. No, no. At the moment, they're editing what they can, but you know, no one knows when we're going to be no. able to come it's out. No, it's so weird, isn't it? It's just—it's such a weird time. It really is for everyone, I think. Yeah, they haven't told us. Have they given us any information yet about when the isolation may end? Not really. I mean, we've been told by the medical officers that we might be looking at a sort of six months from now, basically, um, as, oh, a, my as, a, as a possible sort of, you know best case scenario but there will wow. I, I think some of them are saying that they might we might see the kind of peak of the infections um after about the end of april but well, certainly I, think, well, I, think, I had i had this rather dark thought about imagine people who had just filed for divorce and yeah. having to cohabit in the same house i mean that must be very very hard yes. it's hard anyway i think dealing with a family around the clock it's unusual because most people go to work or their mm. kids are in school right Oh, I know, just horrendous, absolutely awful. Sophia, listen, thank you so much for talking to us. Sophia Miles there uh, from Transformers telling us about the terrible sadness of having to see your father get that terrible virus and die within two days, very quickly, unfortunately. Uh, let's talk to Dave, uh, who's in uh, Greys in Essex. Hello, Dave. Hello, hello, yes. How are you doing? Uh, fine, thanks. I'm staying uh, sort of isolated. OK. Um, I've heard it said that patients have recovered from COVID-19 are immune. So why can't they harvest blood from them to use to provide immunity from others? I mean, hasn't anyone even thought about it? Uh, I don't know, Dave. I didn't know that that would be something that would work. Well, it's, it's simple immunisation, and it's always worked before for Has every it? other disease in history. OK. So what's so different about this one? Well, I don't and know. Had, I mean, I, was, we well, I would assume if that worked that they'd be doing it, wouldn't yeah. they? Yeah. But why why doesn't it work in this time? It, it would be interesting to uh, to find out why. Yes, well, if um, I get the next time I get a doctor on, I'll ask them why we, yeah. why that can't be done. But certainly, yeah. I mean, it's a good point to make that a lot of people have recovered from it um, yeah. uh, around the world. The current uh, sort of numbers that I can give you uh, around the world: nine hundred fifty thousand six hundred thirty eight yeah. uh, confirmed cases of coronavirus. Forty eight thousand two hundred eighty nine of those died recovered, uh, which we know about 202,631. So, yeah. you know, I mean, there is there is some hope for some people. The, the terrible thing about it, Dave, seems to be that some people, and we don't always know why, are affected much worse than others. Yeah. You know? Um, I do have a uh, suggestion that they use recovered patients in hospitals on the front line to provide sort of emergency care. Um well, if they can, but, I mean, that's complicated yeah. as well, isn't it? But, Dave, listen, thanks for your call. Um, the point about what the, 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 the sort of the way out of all this is uh, is that nobody seems to really be absolutely sure. And so as much as I appreciate people coming up with ideas, it doesn't necessarily mean that that particular idea, either one, hasn't been thought of, or two, would actually work. Because, obviously, the British um, medical authorities, you know, Public Health England... The World Health Organization. I mean, they're all working towards the same end, which is basically to try and bring this virus to an end. And uh, we've heard from various professors, uh, many of whom I've spoken to on this show, who say that you know the thing to do with this virus is to let it somehow run its course and basically dry up so that it stops infecting people. And the best way to do that is to continue to try and stay away from one another, because the further away from one another that we can stay, the further away from us the virus is. 
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. It is time for our homeschooling section and I'm delighted to say that we're welcoming back Mr Greg Smythe-Rumsby, the space expert from astronomynow.com because we're going to talk about gravity which is one of those things that we all see and, and, and live with every single day of our lives but perhaps don't understand in the way that we should. Greg, a very good afternoon to you. Welcome. Yeah, good afternoon. Yeah. Thanks very much indeed. Now, the last time we spoke, uh, you were brilliant about uh, all sorts of uh, scientific facts that you were giving us. And as I always describe you as a very enthusiastic individual about these things, tell us about gravity um, and what it actually is, because it's not something that we probably talk about very much. No, it's, it's a strange thing. I mean, basically, we're stuck to the surface of the Earth simply because it has more mass than we do. Gravity is all to do with mass, all to do with how much stuff there is tucked into a particular size. Yes. So the Earth is 12,742 kilometers in diameter, and it's essentially made of rock. Right. There's a little bit of iron at the centre, and there's also some uh, a little bit of air and water on the surface. But essentially, this, this mass has a specific gravity. That's why rockets have to use very powerful gases in order to get off the surface of the Earth, because its, it's gravity tries to pull them back. Yes. So you have to sort of get out into space. The sun, on the other hand, is way more massive than the Earth, and therefore obviously has more gravity, sufficient gravity, to hold the planets in their orbits around it. Right. So each planet has its own version of gravity, right? It does. There's often a misconception that once you get into space, there's no gravity. That, Mm. That could not be further from the truth. There are points where there is gravity that cancels out. Uh, They they tend to be uh, fixed points around uh, planets. They're called the Lagrangian points after the famous French physicist Lagrange. And uh, we can stick things there. We're going to actually stick the James Webb Space Telescope at one of these points. And when you, when you let go of them, these objects should stay exactly where you've put them they, because they're, they're in a tug of war between one world and another in the case okay. of the Earth, the Sun, and the Moon. And we get these configurations where there is a basically neutral gravity, but not no gravity. Everywhere in space has gravity. So if there was no gravity, what would be the effect of you putting something like that there? <laughs> It would, I suppose it would just float around, but, but you cannot have no gravity. It's the weakest force in nature. There are four 
forces in nature. There's the strong nuclear force, which makes sure that electrons don't merge with photons. Mm. But that's another story. Right. Uh, I'll do that for another day. Uh, Yeah, another day, absolutely. That's all to do with supernovas and what happens then. Um, And then you get the weak nuclear force. Then you have the electromagnetic force. And finally, the weakest of all the forces, but works over the greatest distance, is gravity itself. And mm. before, I, before I end this little ramble on, it's, it's interesting, but we don't actually know what is gravity. I know that's going to sound really strange. We know it's the bending of space-time, as described by Einstein in his wonderful sort of 1915 exercises with uh, general relativity and relativity itself. Uh, but we don't actually know what causes it. And some physicists would love, love to discover, wait for it, the Graviton, which sounds like some kind of superhero from another planet. It does. Hey, well, that would be cool. The Graviton, I do like the sound of that. So on the moon, for example, where um, there's less gravity than there is here. Because there's less mass, absolutely. uh, Because it's smaller, right? If If you throw a tennis ball, does it reach the ground? Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. You won't be able to, on the moon, you wouldn't be able to throw a tennis ball hard enough for it to escape the moon's gravity. Right. You're just, just, just not going to. But it is going to go much, much further uh, in, in, into the sky. I don't want to use the word sky, but into the moon's sky. Yes. Okay. Uh, but if you were on, like, little Phobos, which is one of the small moons of Mars, that's only around about 23 kilometers in diameter, mm. and if you were to throw a cricket ball, it'll hit you in the back of the head. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would go. It would effectively go go into orbit. Go round. Wow! And That'd so, cool. would it would it eventually hit the ground if it just kept going round and round and round? No, no. I think it would affect because there's nothing to to, to to slow it down. Because I see. There's no, there's no air on Phobos. You you put it into orbit. Right. Um. So yeah, it would it would it, it things always start from the point at which they're launched. So right. rockets when they leave the Earth, uh, once they've got up into the air, they have to fire their engines again. Once they're halfway around the Earth, otherwise they're going to crash back into the Earth again. Right. I was going to ask you I know about that satellites. really weird. They have to do two little firings, one to get them off the surface of the planet, and then a second burn once they're halfway around the planet. Otherwise, they're going to come back to where they started from. Right. Because if you launch a satellite and, and it then finds its way into the correct orbit around the Earth, is it going around the Earth because of gravity, um, or does it? how does that work? Okay, so you you have a cricket ball and you throw the cricket ball. Yeah. It goes a certain distance and then hits the ground. Right. And if you if you were to f- record that it, as a movie, you'd see it, it did a little sort of step of a curve. It would make a curve towards the ground. Mm. Now, what you need to do is to get fast enough so that curve is so straightened out that it actually matches the curve of the Earth's surface. But okay. that wouldn't be good enough because you need to be up above the Earth's friction-based atmosphere, all those air molecules slow you down. Once you get into the vacuum of space, you can get to around about 400 kilometers, which unbelievably matches the orbital distance of the International Space Station. And if you're traveling at 27,600 kilometers an hour in one direction, in a forward direction, your curve will match that radius that you're at, 400 kilometers above the Earth. So you'll never actually hit the Earth. You're, you're curving, you're bending because of gravity, but that bend over time will become an orbit. Tremendous. Um, and so people, very clever people like yourself, will have worked that out so you know exactly how far to be out in order to keep going around. 
Oh yeah, we can we can use Newtonian physics for that. Isaac Newton came up with the gravitational constant. So we can use that. There are, there are there are slight deviations from that, as we discovered in 1915 with Einstein. Yes, and we, and we could we could start to, to to map out slight changes because of the, the the strangeness of the universe itself. But Newton, you could use Newtonian physics to to map the uh, an orbit of the moon, of spacecraft, of why we put them so far out in space that they stay over the same point of the Earth's surface and give us communication around the Earth. They're right. geostationary satellites. Most TV broadcast companies use those. Yes. So, yes, we can, we can do that with quite simple uh, mathematics. Yeah. Okay. And Newton didn't really discover gravity. That's probably the wrong word. But what about Archimedes before him? Because he apparently discovered the centre of the gravity of a triangle, I'm told. Yes. Uh, well, there, there are several people. For example, Kepler, who was an old man when Isaac Newton was a young upstart, uh, he, he effectively modelled the motion of the planets with three simple laws. One was that all orbits are elliptical. Mm. Uh, the second law was that uh, you could you, you draw out a triangle from the sun to the orbit, and as the planet, because of the ellipse, because of the elliptical shape of the orbit, as it gets closer to our star, it has to travel faster because that triangle that it draws has to have the same area all the time. Yes. So as planets get closer to their parent body, i.e. the Earth closest to the sun, we're actually travelling slightly faster than we would be when we're further from the sun. Mm. So, so our seasons, for example, are not the same length, and I believe I covered that the other day. Yes, with the leap year scenario. Yes. Yeah, and is gravity, gravity. And is gravity uniform, finally, on Earth? Is there any part of Earth where there is less gravity than anywhere else? Oh, you're absolutely right. Mm. Yeah, right, absolutely. We, we call these um, uh, um, mascons. In other words, there are uh, areas of greater density underneath the Earth's crust, within the Earth's mantle, mm. that provide um, uh, slight differences in how, how, uh, how the Earth sucks in the way of gravity. Right. And spacecraft are affected by this, and we have to map out those mascons if we're going to use spacecraft in a particular way, such as... GPS. Yes. We do need to know exactly where those spacecraft are in space in order for us to understand how they're going to map the Earth's surface so we can use it and triangulate our position mm. uh, with those spacecraft to find our location. Right. And, and so we do need to understand it. And you're quite right. Yeah, there are various varying gravitational sort of sucking actions, as it were, on the Earth's surface if you map them out. I'm using dreadful English. I can hear no, it. I, no, I, th I like it because you're making it very clear to people, which is why we want you on here. <laughs> so are you telling me that there's a place I could put my bed which I would find it harder to get out of? <laughs> yes, but it would be a tiny fraction. You have to use real, real sort of delicate instrumentation to match yes. it. But it is noticeable to those to that type of equipment, yes, it is. Okay, final question. And I know I said the last one was a final question. Um, what about black holes? Are they, are they subject to gravity or is that a different oh. force? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, we, we, we have to travel at 9.8 metres per second uh, in order to, to, to match the, the, the gravitational suck of the Earth. Yeah. That, that's effectively it. So going faster than that, you'll, you'll, you'll escape the Earth's gravity. Uh, with black holes, that, that, that is much faster. In fact, it's, it, you, you need to be travelling faster than the speed of light. Well, that's not possible. Right. And that's the reason why they're called black, because the lights which they make cannot escape their surfaces, mm. cannot escape their environments. So we do not see the light of black holes at all. 
Right. What we can just about do is to take a photograph, as we did last year, uh, of uh, a black hole I- I- at the centre of a galaxy. We can, we can do that just about with the Event Horizon Telescope. And that was a very, very challenging task to do it anyway. Um, but, but yes, black holes effectively have so much suck that once you go beyond a certain point, and technically it's called the Chandrasekhar limit, once we go beyond that, which is the event horizon, we lose connection with this universe. We actually decouple from whatever the physics is of this universe, we lose that integrity. Wow. So science fiction like, like to write it up that we could, we could travel to the other side well, the of the universe dimension. or whatever. But to be honest with you, you've actually lost connection with this universe. It's really weird. Wow, that's like wormholes and things. Maybe another conversation oh, for another that's time. that's what the science fiction writers do. That's yeah, what they do, yeah. All that red. Yeah, brilliant. Well, listen, Greg, a pleasure as ever to talk to you. Thank you so much. Greg Smyrumsby there with the most am- amazing uh, factual explanation of gravity. I really think he's my favourite guest of all time. Uh, he's fantastic. If you've got any suggestions for things you want covered uh, in our homeschooling section, by all means, do let us know. You can tweet us, of course, at Talk Radio, at IROMG. We'll have another one for you tomorrow. Uh, we'll take more of your calls coming up next because uh, the show uh, goes on, but there's not much more of it left. 0344 499 Also, breaking news right now, Eddie Large uh, has just died after contracting coronavirus in hospital. Apparently, he had been suffering with heart failure. Uh, Eddie Large of Little and Large fame, of course. This is Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We've uh, done Plank of the Week this week, by the way. Uh, At the moment, it's unfortunately suspended from being filmed because we can't get into the TV studios here at News UK. But what we have done, as we did last week, is made it into a podcast. And John Ashmore from CapEx and Dawn Neeson from The Daily Star and Woman's Own and This Morning and all the other things that she does uh, has joined us. And we've come up with quite a list of 10 people uh, or even things which have made the list. And I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, so do get on that. You can find it in the same place where you find the podcast for the Independent Republic uh, on iTunes, on Acast and elsewhere as well. Let's go to the phones now. Though 0344 499 1000 is the number. Natasha uh, is up first. Hi, Natasha. Hi, Mike. Um, can I make a suggestion? Sure. Can you do a, can you do a, a Megan um, impression once a week to keep <laughs> our spirits up? I'll do it once a day if you like. Yeah, you can do it once a day. I was, I was just saying to your producer or whoever answers the phone, I did have to Martha. drive to the supermarket yesterday and um, you came on doing it and I was nearly doubled over. It was so funny. Well, I think um, the thing is, I find these people to be completely and utterly irrelevant but hilarious at the same time without them knowing that they are. I mean, it's difficult. On, on the one hand, we shouldn't give them the option of publicity but on the other, it just make, does bring a smile. I think it's all right if we... Rid- I think it's OK if we're ridiculing them, to be honest. <laughs> I know. Anyway, so... Um, I just wanted to pick up. You you said earlier on you thought that public sector workers would probably all, would be on furlough if we weren't working. Um, no, I said quite the opposite. No, I said I think that the public, I presume public service workers, public sector workers, will just keep getting paid regardless of whether they're doing anything or not. No, that we're not. Apparently, I've been sent um, an email saying that I will not be entitled to furlough, and that I would be re- the job I do is being suspended at the moment. Right. Um, is that in the public and- sector? Yes, in the NHS. Okay. And um, I've been told that we will be we will be redeployed apparently in the trust somewhere. Right. But as to as you know, we've been on lockdown for ten days. Um, I haven't worked for ten days. They are just not coming up with any information. It's very frustrating. That seems bizarre, yeah. doesn't it? Because you'd think the NHS would be the one place where they need people. 
Yes, and I, yeah, I don't really want to go into too much detail. No, that's fine. I get that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it is very strange. I mean, it's we, they've had. Uh, I absolutely agree with you that I think the government's doing as good a job as they could probably do. Nobody knows. It's all a new situation. Um, but I think. You know, it's just odd that we've, we're absolutely getting no information, and I know my line manager is getting very frustrated. Yes, she can't she can't tell us what we're going to do. So I'm sort of in limbo. I can't be I can't register to be a volunteer as such because you know they might suddenly tell me, well, no, actually you're going to be working here. Yes, right. So at the moment, I just feel you know, sort of sitting around, being sort of a bit wasted, really. So are you not actually getting paid at the moment then? Well, at the moment, again, they haven't said. They've just said. Because the job I do hasn't officially been suspended. Right. Although the, the... The the sort of section has or something, really. Is that what you're saying? So they, so people have taken it on themselves. The job I do, you can't do because you'd be exposing too many people to going out. Yes. And about. So um, the uh, more of a local level, they've taken the decision to suspend the job. But they can't do anything official until higher up the echelons mm. you say... No, we're going to suspend this. Right. So we're in a really weird situation. So at the moment, I suppose I'm getting paid, um, but we're not entitled to furlough. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yes, absolutely. Well, the, the trouble is, I mean, it, and I have some some sympathy with the government here because it is a massive problem that they have to deal with. Um, mm. There are things they're getting wrong, obviously, and I'm, and I'm pointing those out as we go. But it's a terribly difficult kind of, you know, huge monster to wrestle with, isn't it? Because there's so many bits of it that they've well, missed out. it's very out. easy to pick fault, isn't it? And well, it is. Not, but, you know, um, I know, it's all very difficult. But uh, the World Health, Health Organization probably hasn't helped now by saying that actually we may need to be wearing masks because now there's going to be a massive rush Yes. We're trying to find masks. And if you talk to most doctors, they'll still tell you that masks are not much use to you, really, unless you get a proper medically sort of fitted mask, which, which makes it airtight and that makes nothing pass through into your mouth. Even those, if they get moist in any way, can sometimes um, ha hold on to germs that otherwise they wouldn't do. Well, I was in Tesco's the other day and the lady serving me at the till looked like Dick Turpin because she'd got this hanky tied over her nose. Right. And we're sort of sitting there. And I, I, I think they probably don't do anything. I, there's one supermarket that's been quite quick on getting the um, the screens round the tills. Yes. The, um, one of the cheaper supermarkets okay. that begins with A. They've right. been very good. Okay. One of the more upmarket ones that were supposed to be getting them in still hadn't. Yeah. So, I still, I'm still finding it all a bit bizarre in supermarkets because I don't, I've stopped going to the big supermarkets, but I do occasionally pop into the smaller sort of metro-sized ones. Um, mm -hmm. And while they control the numbers going in, once you're in there, there are people just coming up and standing next to you, you know. And I'm kind of looking at them like, what are you doing, you know? Or, you know, if I, because I'll step out of the way. If somebody wants to walk past me, I'll try and walk to the end of the aisle and, and let them do that. But, but some people clearly still in their head don't get it, you know? I know. It's very difficult, isn't it? It's really tough. Anyway. Well, listen, Natasha, keep us, keep us informed, if you can, um, of what, what, it's, what, it's, what, what you're doing, and, and we'll see if we can make some sense of it all. Thanks very much for calling. Joe uh, is in the Wirral. Hi, Joe. Morning, Mike. Morning, sir. What can I do for you? Great, great show, as usual. Thank you very much. Just a few points. Yeah. Um, Germany. Yes. My wife is German. I've lived in Germany. I've worked in Germany. Go quite often to Germany. Great country. It is a great country. And they have a great um, health service. Mm. But it's very wrong to compare our health service with their health service. Quite a lot of their health service is privatised, isn't it? Exactly. I was about to say that. Yeah. A lot. It's a mixture of private and um, a public right. uh, health, health system. 
Um, very wrong uh, to say, uh, constantly, even on, on Twitter as well, that Germany are doing this, Germany are doing that. I'm sure the people in Germany aren't saying, well, let's look what Britain are doing. Look at them. They're doing better than us, or they're doing this. Yes. Why do we feel the need to compare? I know. It's a bizarre thing, isn't it? Because, you know, apart from anything else, it's way too early to judge whether what some other countries are doing is, is going to work out better in the long run, because we just don't know. Do you know, when I, one thing I learned from working and living in Germany is some things are better there, some things are better here. Right. Well, yes. more or less the same. Well, I mean, as, as we've been saying as well, this testing that they've been doing, this kind of universal testing, is now being described by some in Germany as the wrong way forward, basically. Um, and okay. what they're now saying is that the, the most intelligent thing to do is to test uh, the people who are working in the front line and the rest of the population should only be tested when they exhibit strong symptoms that require hospital care. So, well, you know, testing is not necessarily the answer to everything. Well, I digress on to testing because my opinion is, and people probably agree with me, it doesn't really bother me. I'm not really bothered whether I'm tested or not. Mm. If I get the virus, I damn well know I'll, I'll, I'll have it. I know I'll have it. Right. I don't need to be tested. The test is when you get it and when you recover from it. Uh -huh. You can get the gist of what I'm trying to say. Yes. Um, well, I think, I think the, point, I mean, the point that most people make about the testing is that the reason that we should be testing people is that if they have had it, then they can go back into the community and they can, if, especially if they're NHS workers, they can go back to work. I understand that, I, but, you know, this testing of the whole population, it doesn't really bother me. It doesn't really... Uh, I don't really care whether I'm tested or not. OK. Sound, sound, but anyway, final point. Um, when I, I've been growing... I'm 64 years of age. When I grew up, um, we were to, more or less told the experts know they have uh, the knowledge and expertise uh, to know about things. So listen to them, because what they say is, right... Yes. What right have Coonsberg, Peston and Burley have to challenge these people? I mean, the it's, their, it's their job to challenge them, but it's not their job to advise them on what they should be doing, which is effectively what they are doing. That's right. You know. And it, it's ludicrous, ludicrous. I mean, this Professor Tam put Mr Peston in his place, I think. He did, rather. Uh, it was, uh, rather, it was rather good, though. I quite enjoyed that. Quite right, quite right. <laughs> the final thing to say, Mike, is I don't, I don't think you could do Queensberg and Peston and Burley's job because you wouldn't ask stupid questions. It's very true. Although I have been accused of that by uh, former uh, partners of mine, but that's another story. Joe, thanks very much indeed. Clive uh, is in Cambridgeshire. Hello, Clive. Hi, how are we doing? Yeah, very well, sir. What can I do for you? Good, yeah, I wanted to talk about the announcement today that the WHO are going to look into or set up a committee to look into their advice about wearing masks when we go out. Yes. Okay, my thought about this is, having done a bit of research on it, that it's an exceptionally good idea. It's an NPI, a non-pharmaceutical intervention, like hand-washing. And that the, if you look at the evidence of that coming through now... The fact that the WHO say if you sneeze, it can go 26 foot in the air and what have you. Mm. If we got together and all started making cotton masks at home, that would be a start until the government can bring online proper you know, pharmaceutical masks for everybody. Now, they've done this in the Czech Republic, um, and it started with YouTubers and Instagrammers with the Million Mask Challenge uh -huh. and Masks for All, uh, those hashtags, and if people want to look them up. Um, they can start making masks at home because these are very, very simple, easy things to do. And we're going to need these masks 
Yeah, but is a cotton mask? Is a cotton mask not more dangerous than no mask, though, Clive? Because if it gets, no, if it gets, it, it, it depends on you know what you're wearing the mask for. The reason for wearing the mask um, is that you're stopping yourself touching your face and your nose, right. and then putting your hands on things. The okay. other thing is that if you do breathe in inoculum which has the virus in the air you're going to breathe in a lesser slug. It won't protect you, but you get a lesser slug, which gives your body more time to get its antigens going to fight it, and you will get a lesser uh, reaction to it uh, the less you're well, that's what the doctors are Well, not, that's not what doctors... But that's, well, that's not what all... Do- and then they're falling sick. Yeah, but that's not what all doctors say, Clive, because you may get a lesser oh. initial um, intake of the of the virus, but the virus will then be on the mask, and then you will then be breathing it in for the rest of the day. Yeah, I think... I, I, mean, I, I mean, I think it, 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 it's... The, the primary reason, really, is to stop people touching their faces, sneezing out, coughing out... It also shows psychologically your social distancing. I mean, if you look at the country... Could you not wear like a, a, could you not wear like a Prince Harry mask then for Taiwan. that? Could you not like you wear know, a, pr- a, Prince, a Prince Harry mask or something then? But I mean, if, if you're just going to want something to stop you touching your face, then you could just put a scarf around you, couldn't you? Exactly, yeah. No, no, no. You're absolutely right. I mean, I'm thinking of any non-pharmaceutical intervention... Which will help now. How about a burka? You bottom dollar in ten days' time. The WHO are going to come back and recommend if you go outside, you need to wear a mask because the big hot spots of catching this virus in the future are going to be supermarkets and pharmacies. Yes, I agree. Where people gather. Yes, and that's where they're still moving too close to one another. Clive, thanks for your call. Got to run. Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.